This episode is brought to you by Blueprint Events. Blueprint Events has specialized in event planning in the greater Sacramento area since 2010. I work hard for each of my clients, helping them plan and host their upcoming event free of stress and with confidence. Whether planning a wedding or entertaining a corporate event, please let Blueprint Events do the work for you. What up, what up, what up? Welcome to another episode of 94 Feet with Coach JT. Please do me a favor, leave a like and a comment and subscribe to this podcast as I continue to bring some some dope guests and some heat to you this summer. Um, let me get right to this introduction and read this gentleman's resume. He is a Pikeville, Kentucky native. He's earned his Bachelor's of Science degree in Physical Education from Eastern Kentucky University. Also, he was the Fellowship of Christ, or better known to people as FCA, and is a member of Epsilon Omega Chapter of Omega Psi Phi Fraternity. Over the past 15 years, this gentleman has served as a motivational speaker for several different organizations and civic groups. His passion of leadership and is to inspire and encourage people to reach their dreams, and the best days of their lives are still ahead of them, and he also serves, uh, serves the purpose of most of his speaking engagements. In the summer of 2011, he participated in the NCAA Black College Coaches uh, Administrators Achieving Coach Excellence Program, ACE. Also, um, 2018, this gentleman um, was a participant of the Guardian of the Games Award Education presented by uh, TallOrder.com. Currently, he is the head coach of Paul Lauren Dunbar High School in Kentucky. Previous to this, though, however, this gentleman was the head basketball coach at um, South Carolina State University, Mr. Murray Garvin. How you doing, sir? I'm doing outstanding, uh, Coach Roberts. It's an absolute honor to be on your podcast and to share with your listeners. I do not take for granted the opportunity that someone wants to hear from you. You know, I think all of us heard the, the rap song, All I Need Is One Mic, right? Yes, sir. Hey. Uh, all I need is one mic. Yes, sir. And hey, it's just an honor to be able to share and to be asked uh, to share. There's people that wake up in the morning and nobody expects nothing from them. So we're both blessed, man. Yes, sir. And that's just to say the least. Um, I definitely appreciate you as well. Um, as you know, in, the, in this world, this game, 94 feet with Coach JT, is the name of the show. We're just going to jump right into it, though. But I want to jump into this history. Like I said, I, I'm definitely a, a survivor of people who come before me or paved the way of the coaches. So uh, let's talk Kentucky growing up, man. Life growing up early on as a young man. How was that? Where'd you grow up at? Man, I grew up in a small eastern Kentucky town um, in what most people know as Appalachia. Uh, Appalachia is. Uh, a mountain community that runs through kind of eastern Pennsylvania all the way down through West Virginia, Kentucky, and some parts of Tennessee, um, and, you know, northern North Carolina. You know, a small town, uh, country town, you know, predominantly Caucasian town. It was just me and my cousins in this town that I grew up in, man. Um, experienced a lot of different things that I feel looking back on it has prepared me for the life that I've been able to live up to this point. And I wouldn't change it for nothing, man. That's, wouldn't change it for nothing. That's amazing. And you already, you kind of mentioned it right now. So if you don't mind, just 
even me, like my mind is racing right now thinking about what type of things maybe back then, since again, this is so many different times, as a young African-American athlete at that time, right? Um, what are some things you saw in that neighborhood that you probably, you, you or you didn't see that you could talk about right now as far as sports go and athletics and minorities and, and African-Americans? Oh man, you know, um, hey, I was the man where I'm from, right? I've played games before JT that the crowd was holding up nooses in the crowd. I've been on pickup courts playing Sunday evening pickup basketball. This was an experience I'll never forget. The local police sounded, surrounded the court in riot gear. Okay. And it was mainly African-American males out playing basketball in the park. I might've been 15 or 16 years old at the time. And the police surround the court in riot gear. And the next thing we know is coming down the street are hooded KKK members. Hmm. They're having a march in this town on this Sunday afternoon. And they're coming to the city park to the podium that was less than 200 feet from the basketball court we were playing on. And they had a demonstration and we're sitting there playing basketball and the police said that they didn't publicize it because they didn't want it in the paper. You know, they didn't want the negative media behind it. Now this is in the late eighties, early nineties, maybe. And, uh, I'll never forget that man, that the KKKs having a demonstration less than 500 feet away from where we're playing basketball. And they surrounded us in riot gear for protection. Right. So as, and, a, uh, as a young gentleman, well, just the, the mindset at that time for you, how was it? How was your emotion? What was your heart feeling like or your mind? Was it, was it panic? Was it scared? Was it, you know, how was it? Emotional yeah, it, 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 it was intimidating, but I grew up in an environment that I'd rather know where you stand more than not knowing where you stand. Understood. So if you're okay with wearing a hood, at least I know how you feel about me. See, a lot of us walk around with masks on and we don't know how people feel about us. So I wasn't uncomfortable to the sense that I wanted to get in the car and run. It's just easier when you know who you have conflict with and who has conflict with you than when we walk around with our mask on yeah. and some of us got hoods on right now and uh, you can't see who's really against you. Got you know it. what I mean? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So, man, that's that's a, that's an early start to it, too, at a young age. So just as far as that basketball court goes in that that um, environment there, what did you at an early age benefit from, again, playing sports or basketball in general? What was what was on your mindset that just to being a kid or you oh, had man. goals already at that age? No, I, I had to be successful, man. Uh, it used to motivate me. And it really didn't make sense until I saw the movie Waterboy. Oh, yeah. And you remember when Bobby Boucher would see the person talking against him in the face of his competition? Mm -hmm. That type of stuff drove me to try to be as successful as possible. You know, if I'm going to fit the stereotype of being an African-American male, that plays ball, I'm going to be the best at it. And that's what I strive to do um, because of the environment that I was in. Now, 
it all wasn't black and white. Some of it was my own family. You know, I grew up in a single parent home. And to myself, I was the all-American kid. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I was gifted in sports. I didn't get in any type of trouble. Um, you know, I was all state in two sports. And yet I'm still wondering why my father wasn't there. Mm. You know what I mean? So a lot of times I used to play like he was sitting up in the stands and I'm like proving him wrong. Like, why ain't you here, man? I'm scoring touchdowns. I'm dropping 25 points a night on the basketball court. You know, I wish he could have saw what I was able to do at a young age. That's Okay, amazing. So you talk about that, like at that early age, multiple sports. Who are some people you might have looked up to or emulated at your time uh, to emulate your game after, or like, you know what, I'm going to do what he does? Oh, man, uh, I used to love Magic Johnson, man. Big guard. I used to love, yeah, I used to love Magic, uh, Michael, you know, Sidney Moncrief, oh, yeah. Adrian Dantley. Now I'm going in the bag. Yeah, here, that's right. Hey, I'm a, I'm a savant too. I know. Oh, AD, I've, I've watched yeah. my film a lot. Yeah, I had a coach at a young age, man, tell me I played like Adrian Dantley. So he became one of my favorite players. And Mark Aguirre. Oh, yeah. You know, these six, five guys that could do about everything. And uh, those became my favorite players, man, because. A coach has so much influence. I don't think we really understand the influence that we have on shaping our young people. But, you know, the late Billy Graham said a coach can influence more people in one year than most people do in a lifetime. And I don't take that for granted because the reason I coach is because of my coach. You know, what he did for me. He changed my life. And I said, man, that's all I want to do. You know, so you mentioned in my bio that I coached college basketball. Well, coach, I only set out to be a high school coach, man. Mm. The college thing just kind of happened. I just wanted to be a high school coach and be the coach that I had when I was a kid. And so here I am now coaching on the high school level. And I actually got, you know, I got great peace of mind right now. Um, even though it's not on the big stage that I just came off of, but it's still influencing young people. Right. I think so as a coach, if you're a hard thing, one of the hardest thing, I mean, we all deal with it or have dealt with it now, especially you give your heart to something because they're not your kids. You love the game. Somebody did it for you. Let me ask you, how do you deal when, as you know, kids or parents are straight or go different from whatever reason they have right now, right? Because we know we can't keep them all we can't keep our and especially now in times that right kids and players and parents move around so much but when you know you're giving so much of your time and effort how do you handle that part man uh that's why i know i'm supposed to be on this podcast man <laughs> you asking me things right in my wheelhouse <laughs> we didn't even go over it right. um i'll tell you this coach at a young age you know i've been coaching close to almost what i started in 1996 I don't know how many years that is now. Uh, 25 years, 25, something like that. I've been coaching. And when I was a head coach at a junior college early in my career, I had to kick a kid off the team, right? And ever since I've been in coaching, it's been bigger than basketball. Hmm. I'm going to get you to score points. I'm going to get you to understand the game. 
but I also want to give you something to live off of. And it always hurt me when I lost one. And I was sitting on the steps at the JUCO, man, after I had to get rid of this kid. And the head custodian came up to me. And he said, Coach, Coach, what you upset over? What's wrong? What's wrong? And uh, he was actually a reverend. His name was Reverend Snipes. I know he was an OG, man, about 70-something years old. And he used to work at the community college just to have something to do. And he said, Coach, let me tell you something. He said, I've been a minister for most of my life. And every Sunday morning, I stand up in that pulpit and I tell the truth. And he said, there's sometimes that I don't get anybody to believe me. But if you get one, if you just get one, coach, you actually influence generations of a family. So just go after one. And if you get more than one, job well done. So if if ministers stand up in their pulpits every Sunday or whatever faith that you are, and the majority of the people, you know, they don't decide to go that route, who are we as coaches? We're going to lose a few. But all we can do is just give our best effort. You know, give our best effort, man. And sometimes um, you can buy an expensive pair of shoes, coach, and take them back to the mall because it just ain't the right fit. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like, that's something still like that. That emotional part is still hard. It's, I deal with it better now as well. I'm going in my 15th year now. Right? I've been coaching since I graduated, and it still kind of gets me like, oh, man. Just give me a chance or just, you know, because I think our hearts are in the right place. That's why, because, you know, other yeah. people have different agendas. Other people have different um, ways of doing things. But when you really care about the players and the game or the program, it just yeah. hurts a little different, though, when you lose a kid or somebody doesn't give you opportunity. Just oh, yeah, yeah, especially when you know you're trying to influence someone in the right way. And also, you know, when that young man or young lady is broken mm-hmm. and they need you, uh, they just not might not be ready to receive. You know, I've had kids to tell me, Coach, I just want to play basketball. They don't want and I was like, stuff, well, yeah. what, do you, what, what do you mean by that? Well, Coach, I don't want to get into all the feelings and all that type of stuff. I just want to play ball. Hmm. You know, just teach me how to play ball or help me become a better basketball player and, you know, everything else will take care of itself. And, and you know, I've had to, I guess, step away from some young people as well. Yeah, okay, if that's what you want, and your character demonstrates that, then we could step away from all the mentoring and all that type stuff. But if you're a bad teammate, and you're trying to be a good basketball player... Don't go together. It don't... Yeah, I, I, I got to talk to you about more than basketball, mm-hmm. because there's, there's a character flaw, you know, that we got an attack before you can become a good basketball player. You can't be great at basketball and be a terrible person. Yeah. It's not, it, it, we're not talking about sprinting. <laughs> we're not talking about track and field or golf Individual. where you don't have to have a teammate. You know, you got to be able to work with people. Yeah. So it, it's an interesting dynamic, but I'm right there with you, man. It still tugs at me when I lose one. Yeah. I, I feel like the shepherd, man. You want to go after that one sheep. Yeah. And sometimes you can overextend yourself. Yes. But, you know, because some young people just don't want it. 
Right. They just don't want it the way you do. And that's yeah, I always got to realize that. So you talk about mentorship. Where does that that again? As we know, coaching is a part of that though. But what is kind of your experience or kind of um, that mentorship vibe, feeling, information come from? Who did you kind of get that from? Anybody was influential in mentoring you besides your coach, or was your coach was pretty much a big part yeah, of that? Yeah, well? my 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 coach man was a real man. Huh. He he was a he was a real man. But I've also surrounded myself. You there? Yeah, I'm good. You're good. Okay, something jumped off here. Oh, we're good. Uh, we're rolling. Okay. Well, as long as we're still rolling. Um, something jumped off with me. I've always tried to surround myself with mentors along the way. You know, um, I've had different mentors and being able to learn from them is something that I value a great deal. And, um, you know, they've been influences in my life, my entire life, and just getting ideas from them. And then I also live by the creed coach that the next generation is supposed to benefit from us being here. Mm -hmm. And I want to make sure to leave a legacy uh, with the next generation. So I just try to do right by them. Now, I'm not perfect, man. There's some kids that might not like me and that's okay, but they also, it's more important to me that they respect what I've tried to do for them on and off the court. All right. I, like, I definitely like that. So, let's, let's we talk about this, uh, you're, you're younger growing up in that in where you're in Kentucky, but then, let's talk about high school basketball. As you know now, it's such a different man, like everything, right? It's different about high school, how you deal with parents, players, just the whole limelight the kids get. For you, though, as you think back on those days, what are a few highlights, good or bad, that stick out for you about your high school day career? Well, in high school, man, the, the I guess the biggest thing is my mother used to try to come to every game. Yep. And that meant a lot to me. You know, it didn't matter where we played, man. My mom was there. And I don't know how she did it, Coach. My mom was not a wealthy lady. Um the good Lord provided. It gets me emotional talking about it. Yeah. She passed away about 11 years ago. Sorry to hear that. But she, she planted a seed, man. She planted a seed, and I don't know. She made a way out of no way sometimes. You know what I mean? Yeah, I did. I, so I just have, I have tremendous respect for what she did for me at a young age. She didn't coddle me. She was my biggest fan and my toughest critic. Um... You know, when I didn't do what she expected, she said something about it. Uh, I'll never forget, man, one game, I got kicked off the team, Coach. Hmm. This is my sophomore year. We're on a road game, and my sophomore year, I played varsity, but my coach was such a visionary, he made me play the first half of JV with my peer group, okay? And then I was like the sixth and seventh man on the varsity team, right? So, man, we're playing one game, and I'll try to sum this up quick. But I played JV ball, and I guess I had a bad attitude. You know, my guys were making mistakes that I weren't accustomed to on the varsity level. Mm -hmm. And I was probably showing it in my body language. Well, again, 
at halftime, I used to be done with the JV game. I go into the varsity locker room, and my coach tells me to give me his uniform. And we're on a road game. He says, give me your uniform. Take your uniform off. You're done. Mm. Coach, I'm standing in the locker room, and this is when you just wore jock strap. (laughs) I'm standing in the middle of the locker room with my jock strap. Stunned. My my partner on the team, man, that was kind of my mentor. He was a senior when I was a sophomore. He comes and he takes the wrist man off my wrist. <laughs> he <laughs> says, you won't be needing that tonight. <laughs> that sounds like my boys, man. No filter. No filter. Yeah, no filter, man. But long story short, my high school coach told me to find, I needed to find a ride home. Mm. And I went out to my mom and told her what he did. You know what she did? Let's go. She said, good luck finding a ride home. And she left. Mm. She left and said, good luck finding a ride home. Now, I don't know if they make parents like her anymore. Because most parents would want to meet with the coach immediately. And so I ended up riding home with a friend of mine's parents. Okay. So the next day, I'm thinking my mom's going to go to the meeting with me with the head coach. She said, "Uh uh-uh, you go handle that. That's on you. This man has done this, this, and this for you. If he's pissed off at you, you probably deserve it. Hmm. And I had to go to my own meeting with my head coach, man. And that shaped me for the rest of my life. I think I'm super big on teaching these kids how to advocate for themselves. Like, that's the biggest thing that they don't do comfortably or don't do well. And, again, my mom's similar, same thing. I have a twin sister. She played ball, single parent, but she never said much, but she was always, I could look for her there. And if I didn't play, she would just say, all right, go work harder. Because she was a basketball, she knew sports, but then more so now that I'm coaching, she really knows the game a lot more. But then she would just sit there with other parents and they talk their little, you know, woman talk, talk, you know, the the team moms together. But she wouldn't say much. And I'm like, okay, well, I guess I just got (laughs) to keep going because she's not going to, you know, but it it helped me out there. And as far as just hard work, but I definitely like to to push the advocate for themselves to all the players, like learn how to speak, learn how to ask questions, pull the coach to the side. But also if you want to know how you can do it better, ask specifically, but also you have to do it. Don't just expect coach to just always put you out there like that. So shout out to the team mom for that. That was definitely super dope. So uh, after high school, at that, you know, again, now back then, really, like I said, I, I'm, I'm sure the recruiting was different. You're, you're, you get ready to graduate, two sport athlete. Uh, what do you focus on getting ready to go out to high school, into college career, whatever else? What's, what's your, what's your, what's your well, on your mind at that point? Well, let me tell you this. You know, to backtrack, the coach that I'm talking about, he actually left my high school after my sophomore year, and that was a tumultuous time for me. Okay. Um, I continued to excel. My senior year of high school, I averaged 25 points a game, nine rebounds a game, like maybe two blocks a game. In football, I caught for 1,500 yards, had 21 touchdowns, Mm -hmm. led the state of Kentucky uh, in receiving that year. So I was a confused young man, again, from a single-parent home that – I didn't know what I needed to do. I had scholarship offers from, I had the test score coach, but I didn't have the GPA. Okay. Okay. 
I had scholarship offers from the top junior colleges for football and basketball. Okay. I chose to go to Eastern Kentucky University to be what they called then a Prop 48. Yep. Actually for football. Okay. Because I had people telling me, hey, man, how many 6'4 wide receivers you see in the NFL versus a 6'4 basketball player? You got a better chance of making it professionally if you play college football. So, Coach, I went to school to play college football as a Prop 48, okay? And that, for the listeners out there that don't know what that is, that means that you're basically halfway eligible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but you can't play, you. but you can practice and lift weights, but you couldn't play. Coach, long story short, man, I never made it to game day. Mm. I played two springs in a row. My freshman year, I ended up failing a math course in summer school, so I was ineligible the second year as well. Mm. Propped again my sophomore year. Came back, played in the spring. I was academically ready to go going into my third year of college. No, my second year of college. And the coach decided that he didn't want to give me a scholarship. Okay. He said, well, we haven't seen you on game day. I said, well, I'm doing well in spring ball. You know, I'm six foot four. I could, you know, I was, I wasn't fast, but I was good enough. I was fast enough. He said, uh, Murray, we can't give you a scholarship, man. Coach, first-generation college student as well. I said, well, I'm not playing anymore. Nor did I transfer. I hung it up. Mm. And that was another time in my life that, it, it gets me choked up talking about it, man, because as a young black man, I never was without ball. And when I gave it up, even my own family, you know, they were like, what are you going to do? You know, that's all you've ever done. Your whole identity is in basketball and football. Mm-hmm. Like, what are you going to do? My mother asked me that. I said, mom, I'm going to graduate and I'm going to still be successful. And coach, that's what, that's what I did. Um, I ended up graduating and the high school coach that I told you about left my senior year. <laughs> he was my first phone call. He says, what do you want to do? And I says, I want to do what you did for me. Mm. I want to I coach basketball. And I went and volunteered on the high school level uh, for two years and relocated to the Carolinas and got into, I walked into my first head coaching job. I was actually interviewing as an activities director at a hospital for sex offender boys Mm. as the activities director, the lady interviewing me says, I see that you coached high school basketball. She says, I'm the athletic director at a local community college and I'm getting ready to let go of my coach. Would you be interested? I said, what? (laughs) She said, yeah, would you be interested in becoming 
became our coach. She said, I'm so impressed with your interview. I, I would like to, you could be our coach. I said, Pam, please don't play with me. <laughs> she says, no, I'm serious. She said, get me some references in, and we're going to make this happen. Wow. Coach, long story short, man, I became the head coach at a school called Clinton Junior College in Rock Hill, South Carolina. It had about 80 students. It was sponsored by the AME Zion Church. I was the head coach there working part-time. I used to go to practice from 5.30 to about 8 a.m. every morning, and then I would go back to the hospital and work from 11 to 7, and then I would go back to campus at night just to check on the guys because they actually had dormitories. Mm -hmm. And uh, I did that for six months, man, and then the community college president, she called me in and told me she wanted to make me full-time. Wow. Because she's seen the impact that I had on the young men. And then at the end of that first year, Coach, they elevated me to athletic director. Wow. So and you talked about the AME, sorry, real quick, the, the church. How much how, how much faith you uh, God intervened all that had to play a part in that? That, is, that doesn't happen to just anybody. That is something that I, I can attest to. You walk your walk, you, you be good to people. It comes back to you full time because I, that's a one-of-one one story right there. That's one of one, and that is amazing. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, man. Um, God's had his hands on me as long as I can remember, yeah. bro. Um, he's had his hands on my life and my coaching career. He ain't never let go, man. He ain't never let go. And it's a big part of who I am. And a lot of times you can get caught up and you can forget about that. But like you said, that's a one-on-one story. And uh, like I said, in a year, I became the athletic director at this community college. By year three, we were ranked in the country. Um, and year four, man, uh, we won our region. Um, I got my first assistant coaching opportunity on the Division One level. And, you know, I've just been riding the wave, man. And I'll tell you again, listen to this. I go to South Carolina State almost 10 years ago, okay? And I come in as an assistant coach. And this is where Coach Sutton and I crossed paths. Okay. She was the assistant volleyball coach at the time at South Carolina State. And then she was elevated to head coach. Coach, I come in at the end of the coach preceding me. It's the end of his tenure there. We lost like 21 straight games. I thought we were getting ready to get fired. The administration comes to me and says, I want you to be the head coach. And I ended up replacing Coach Carter on an interim basis. The first home game we have, Coach, is against a living legend in HBCU basketball by the name of Cy Alexander. Mm. He was the coach at South Carolina State for 15 years. He won five MEAC championships, wow. and he's the winningest coach, I believe, in school history. Well, he was coaching at our rival school, North Carolina A&T. He comes in. That's my first home game as the head coach. 
and it's an interim. Mm. Coach, we had lost 20-some-odd games. Do you know the first game we won? You got that It dude. was against Coach <laughs> Alexander at home. Yes. And he was like the god of the place. I mean, there was more fans there right. to see him than to see our team. And that was the first game we won, man. That's and I look up and I spend, I think, about nine years as a head coach there. But that's how it started. That, that, and, that's uh, crazy. He brought he brought the yeah, but he brought the fans out for you. That worked out perfectly, right? He he got it filled it up for you, perfect, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it worked out perfect. And uh, you know, I look up, man, and I was a Division One head coach for eight and a half years. Um, again, with the background that I just shared with you, that ain't supposed to happen, right? And and that's why I said God's had His hands on me. And for your listeners, for maybe a, a young coach that may be listening to this, I want you to get this from my testimony. What's for you is for you. And you just have to be willing to work and work and grind and work and align yourself with the right people. And then your blessings will come. Don't You don't have to... You don't got to press it, man. Just work. Just do right by these kids. Do right by people. And what is for you will come to you. And you don't have to belong to no prominent coaching tree. It helps. Now, I won't lie to you. It helps. Mm -hmm. But don't put your blessings in a box, man. We serve a big God. And... If he's got something in store for you, it's for you. You can guarantee it's going to come. Yeah, I and, do. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's just from my own testimony. I ain't telling you what I heard. I'm telling you what I've lived for myself. It's it's definitely and, <laughs> that's funny. You, not funny you say that, but again, like you said, our time is impeccable. It, it was meant for us to cross paths, have a conversation, because I've recently went through the exact similar thing. I mean lower coaching tree but good coaches but always love the game and it's like wanting to be in a box where I feel I want to get here I want to get here but if it's for me it needs to, I need to follow that path but it's it's like me I'm hearing you hearing my story through you again whatever years before I'm in right now which is amazing it's a blessing because I'm like hey I know that I've seen that I've been down that path and I'm like man this is the same thing but you're across the country different settings but we're still doing it and I think that I'm like you know what it, it makes it even more relevant I think the end goal, right, like I said right now, is why. You know what? This is why we put all those sacrifices together. This is why we treat all those kids like that because where we are today in our lives. I'm like, me hearing you say that right now is like, okay, I'm doing the right thing, man. It's just like reassurance because right as we know, we don't hear it often, especially as black coaches or minority coaches because we just don't get on that pedestal a lot often. But we put in just as many hours as other coaches. We work just as hard. We sacrifice just as much. So, and I want to talk about actually, the, like your mentorship accolades, though. Like I said, the Black Coach Administration, a couple of awards. Just how, um, man, just just how fulfilling are are those activities, those clubs, and awards for you at this point in time in your career, considering what you've been through? Well, you know, it, I don't do it for the awards. Um, the reward is seeing young people benefit. You know, seeing young men go from boys to men. Seeing families being satisfied when their son graduates. You know, um, seeing the maturation of a young man. 
serving a community. You know what I mean? I told you I was from a single parent home, man. Sometimes I, I remember the Lions Club used to buy my goggles. You know, I needed help. My mom needed help. Hmm. And now God's put me in a position where I can help other young people. It's just paying it forward, man. You know, it, it's paying it forward. And we all need to strive to be the coach that we desire. You know what I mean? Be the coach that you desire. Like, what would you want from your coach? Right. You know, and, and that's what I even tell my ball players: Be the teammate that you desire. Don't wait for someone else to do this for you. Don't wait and say, oh, he's not this or he's not that. You be that. And then karma comes back to you, man. If you give love, you're going to receive love. If you share, people are going to share with you. Just like I do this, me and you didn't know each other, no. but because Coach Sutton knows who I am, mm -hmm. and she and I share, and we talk with each other, she's going to refer me to someone else. The Bible says your gift will make room for you. Yeah. You get what I'm saying? Yes, your sir. gift will make room for you at the tables of kings and queens. I honestly believe that with all I got. Yeah. And there's somebody on the other end of this audio, man, that needed to hear this that I may not have met without you, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's that's just so amazing. Like I said, I think, but for me, that's what it's about because at my church, we talk about blessed to be a greater blessing to others, right? So why hold it in? Why keep it in? Because, again, the past few days, I've been on your IG page doing my research. I'm like, man, the messages are timely for me. I'm like, it's meant to be, and it's like, but also it's like, now who can I, hey, y'all need to hear this guy or you guys need to listen to this because he's going to bless you. You know, just listen to it. And I'm definitely in that mindset right now. It's like, you know what? This for me is just rejuvenating me. Keep going. Keep doing what I'm keep doing. Going, yeah, keep doing what hey, you're man, doing. Keep, hey, keep chopping wood, man. That tree's going to fall. Like you said, like you yeah. said. So, I mean, again, for you, just a, a big congratulations for you. But also, so now, back at the high school level, though. And, you know, as we talked about it, right, talked about dealing with these. Um, and I've learned, too, as a coach, we have to make our own adjustments, right? I mean, different style of plays, different um, – what are some things you may have to adjust coaching or gameplay-wise that aren't the same as we know I used to be during that area of the Magic Johnsons yeah. and the Michaels and then on four? What are a couple of things yeah, that you may yeah, have to yeah. shift a little bit? Because I had to go back and <laughs> reshift my dial a little bit, too, because I grew up in that in-between area. I think I had the best of both worlds, Kobe, Magic, Mike. So I was like, you know, now it's it's changed a different direction. Well, you know, of course the game has changed. And I'm striving not to be a dinosaur, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I got you. I get you. So I got to continue to study. I got to, you know, you got to be committed to being a lifelong learner, um, not just in ball, but in life, period. So I stay committed to trying to learn new things as much as I can, man. I'm watching NBA games. I'm taking notes. I'm rewinding the DVR, trying to get that out of bounds, mm -hmm. that side out of bounds play, that under out of bounds set, that action, secondary action. And then I get to the high school level, man, and there's no shot clock. Oh, you know, wow. In Kentucky, there's no shot clock. Jeez. You know? So it's like a whole new game out here. Yeah. You know, I, I'm like, what? We can come down, run a secondary break. That doesn't work. We can run another action. If that doesn't work, we can run another action. Yeah. I was telling my guys in team camp, I'm like, hold up. We can get whatever we want, man. You don't have to be in a hurry on the high school level. And that's been an adjustment. 
Yeah. Because I wasn't used to being able to run three or four different actions in one uh, transition down the floor. And you should be able to get a good shot. <laughs> right. Yes, you should be able to get a good shot on the high school level. Yeah. Uh, I would also say um, talking with parents more. Mm-hmm. You know, on the college level, you don't have a lot of interaction with parents once the young man gets to campus. No. And on the high school level, you know, you, you got to interact with parents. And it's for right now, it's been okay. Um, because the guy that I followed was not a great communicator. And that is one of my strengths right. is communication. So they get that. So, yeah. So the parents have really been, you know, they're really excited because I communicate. You know, I got a parents group me right. where I send motivational messages to them. And the motto of our program is together we win. You know, together we win is the motto of the program. And I make sure that I paint a vision to the parents on what that means for them. You know, getting your son to practice on time, getting him to a game on time, making sure he has his uniform, you know, making sure he has his shoes. Mm -hmm. You know, if there's any uh, donor events, being involved in that. Um, If team camp, for example, okay, making sure the guys have snacks. You get what I'm saying? Like, you, we might play two or three games in a day. Mm-hmm. Okay, we need some bananas. We need some fruit. We need some water. Okay, can I depend on you guys to take care of this? This is how Together We Win comes into play. You know, uh, communication. Let me know when something's going on, um, whether it be personal or professional. You know, let me know. And that's Together We Win. Yeah. So that, that's been a difference so far. Um, you know, again, I haven't coached during the season, so we'll see how that is. Um, here in Kentucky, transportation to games is a little bit different. You know, sometimes they have to get there on their own, and everything is not bust. So coming from the college level, of course, you're on a, a charter bus right. together, whether you're going 45 minutes or two hours and here you're telling the guys to meet you at the gym. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So that, that, that's a little different as well, that's but cool. um, it's still basketball. Yeah. It's still mentoring young people. It's trying to get them from point A to point B. Definitely. A you know what I mean? Yeah. With, with this, uh, try to decrease those distractions in order to get them there. I think a lot of my guests, even people I've talked to, like it's a lot of other pro, ex-pro ball players, college people. If young people can figure out a way these days to limit these distractions and focus on the, you know, a few things that will help them, they'll succeed. And that's the thing I think the distractions have picked up tremendously from all angles. So I think that's something I yeah. definitely got to preach is limit yeah. distractions. Uh, you know, yeah. To this right here, man, I'm holding up a yep. cell phone mm-hmm. for the people that can't. It, it, it's a gift and a curse, man. It is. And, and we as mentors and coaches, we got to find a way to use the gift part of it. You yes. know, uh, flood your teams with positive messages. Right. Form a group me, and if you're the head coach, only allow yourself to hit them with the messages that you want them to get. Right. You know, teach them about communication. 
Now they can never tell you that they never saw the message because you know every time we're around young people, yeah. they're they're holding this phone right in front of their face. Right. So we have to learn to adapt and not fight against it, but use it. Right. You know, I found myself in team meetings telling them to bring out their phone. Right. You know. Uh, pull out your phone. Okay, I want you to do this. Punch this into your phone. Right. Let's go to the calendar. Let's put this on the calendar. Right. I want you to make a page for notes. You know, notes for our team. Right. You know, like I said, the group me messages. Um, there's every now and then, Coach. I ask them to pull out their phone and text somebody. You know? Because that's how uh, they communicate. Them. We got to adapt. You're right. That's yeah, how they communicate. I, we got to adapt, man. Right. We got to adapt or you're going to be a dinosaur. You're right. And, and you're eventually going to die out. You're right. You know, so something I did with phones, I like to share this. Mm -hmm. uh, this may help another coach, man. Tell your team to pull out their phone and text someone that they love them and that they appreciate everything they've done for them. Okay? Once they do that, wait about 10 minutes and then ask them, did anybody text them back and what the responses were? Amazing. It's amazing, man. You know, some people, they text them back, is everything okay? <laughs> What's going on? Is something wrong? You know, and then others, and it tells you who communicates their feelings openly right. to the people that matter to them. That's See, a lot of young men and a lot of young women we don't say I love you enough. True. We don't say thank you enough or I appreciate you enough. And so when they hear that, it's kind of odd and it's random. Like, I thought you were at basketball practice. Well, you're at practice, but you're getting more than basketball. Right, right, right. right. You know, so that that's a team activity that I encourage. If you work with any type of group, you know, let's use these phones to our advantage, definitely, man. Definitely, definitely. And then, and then what that builds for you as the coach, the families are like, wow, he's teaching more than basketball. Yep. You know, I want my son or I want my daughter to be around that coach, man. Right. It's man. bigger than putting the ball in the hole. Yeah, as you said it, you started out bigger than basketball since day one. Um, so, right. I, and I appreciate you taking time out your day. Before we get out of here, so in this basketball world, we know we always teach. I'm still teaching fundamentals, triple threat, right? Drill, pass, shoot. But also now to end my show, now I'm asking guests, give me your triple threat. Three things, life, basketball, whatever, that you want to give out to the community, whoever listening right now. Uh, let's get let's get your triple threat. Love, respect, and legacy. Love, respect, and legacy. Yes, sir. Yeah, who, who you love, who do you respect, and what do you want people to remember you for? Hey, that's I, your legacy, man. I love that's it. your legacy. That's you I, know, love, love, respect, and legacy, and that's straight off the dome. That ain't rehearsed. That's hey, just what came to me, bro. That's that. That I like it authentic on the show for sure, man. And I don't gotta say yeah. no more. Love, respect, and legacy. Um, Coach, I appreciate you now. So you'll be having me in your inbox if you can believe that for sure, man. I definitely appreciate you, and we'll tap in offline more because I mean, it's, it's, I'm sure it's a lot more I can learn from you and help me to keep growing and be better in my community on and off the court, Coach. So I appreciate you really taking time out your day, well, and I will be in contact for sure. Well, uh, total respect for what you're doing, man. Uh, you know, God created this too, man, and we got to use this to our advantage as well. Yes, sir. So if you could spread, if you could spread love through a podcast, uh, 
man, I, I totally respect that. You're taking initiative and you're changing the culture and you're influencing the next generation. And anything that I can do for you out here in Kentucky, man, you let me know. Um, and we'll just keep building, man. But I appreciate the opportunity and God bless. Right. Sam and you, coach, have a good rest of your day. Thank you. All right, you too. All right. All right, bye-bye.